So we are continuing in the lectionary, and, and you'll know that over the past um, sort of couple of months, I suppose, the lectionary had us in the letter of James, and we, we realized that there was a huge amount of challenge in the letter of James, and it wasn't an easy thing for us to go through, but a really significant thing for us to go through. And then you kind of think, oh, we're, we're in the Gospels again, we're, going, we're, we're now back in Mark, and we're reflecting through Mark, and you think, oh, okay, we can breathe a bit, we're in the Gospels. But then the thing you quickly remember is that James and most of the New Testament letters were based on the Gospels. Uh, and so there's just as much challenge uh, for us within, within the words of Jesus as well. And particularly because in the passage that we're looking at this morning from, from Mark chapter 10, um, is all about relational dynamic. It's all about how we relate to one another, how we relate to Jesus and how Jesus relates to us and, and how we relate to the world. And I think whenever we're talking about anything uh, to do with re- relational dynamics in, in the community of Christ, uh, there's always going to be challenge there. Because the wonderful thing about being sat here this morning as we look around at each other is we, ha- we have a room full of unique stories. Every single one of us in this room has a different story. A different story of how we were brought up, how we viewed the world through how we were brought up. A different story of how we came to faith, how we came to know Jesus for ourselves. A different story of our experiences of church, of the world. Different experiences of of worship and different understandings of, of how we see and read scripture and how we pray and how we relate to Jesus and how we relate to the world. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? Just that the sheer breadth of stories that we have in this room, even just here. And even that's only just a tip of the iceberg of, of other communities, wider community, the church family as a whole, as we gather together in, in bigger places for bigger things. And we, we realize we're just a sea of different experiences. But I'm sure we can all testify to the fact that as good as that is when we gather together in community, the fact that there's such diversity means that one of the things that tends to tag along into a community like that is comparison. Comparison of ourselves to others, comparison of others to ourselves, uh, comparison of ourselves to, to how we operate and how we work, what we think, what we believe, what they believe, what others believe. And there is a difference between healthy and unhealthy comparison, because there is such a thing as healthy comparison, which I think Jesus begins to unpack a little bit in this passage. And then there's very unhealthy comparison, which we definitely see on play in this passage as we look at James and John. And I think it's really good that we look at this. I just want to just think for a moment, just to pause and reflect for a moment and to ask if you've ever, if you're being really honest with yourself, and I've had to be very honest with myself as I reflect on this passage, as to whether you've ever thought any of these these sentences that I'm about to say, or if you haven't thought them, whether you've been on the other end of them. Because I think the chances are that for many of us here, this may be the case. I'm better than them at that. I'd do a much better job than they would at that. They're wrong about that. If only they could see the error of their ways. They have no idea just how wrong they are. Do you know, I doubt that he even has any faith at all. They're not going to be able to stand when difficult things happen. Their faith isn't strong enough. If she was a Christian, she wouldn't do that. I'm sure you've all heard that one. They don't pray enough. They don't read their Bible enough. 
their faith isn't as strong as mine. And here's one I genuinely heard someone ask my mum when she stepped into church for the first time. Just how Christian are you? (sighs) Makes your skin crawl a little bit, doesn't it? And these are just some of the things that are spoken over us as Christians and even spoken by other Christians over us as well. And thoughts that I've no doubt we have at some point had of others. And there's an example there of the unhealthy kind of comparison that we find ourselves when we're in a community of people who are different from us and so diverse as we are within the church, as wonderful as that is. But all of those kind of comparisons are rooted really in in pride, uh, in uh, judgment, uh, and in really quite negative places. But Jesus gives us a beautiful alternative in this passage of comparison, a completely different way, an upside-down way of thinking about others and thinking about ourselves in comparison to others that we're going to come to in a minute. But let's look at James and John for a minute, because I think we can probably all relate a little bit to James and John at times. Here they are, uh, stood before Jesus. They've clearly got this little moment where they've managed to pull him aside and have a little bit of of time with him. The other disciples are clearly around and within earshot, because we know that they hear what's said. And James and John make this simple request of Jesus. First of all, before they ask their question, they first of all say to Jesus, Jesus, do whatever we ask, please. And Jesus, in his usual gracious way, uh, and probably knowing what's coming, uh, grants them that and gives them his ear. And then they ask, let us be seated at your right and at your left when you are in glory. Now, the thing we have to understand here is the context of this, because uh, this is still early-ish in Jesus' ministry. We know uh, from reading the Gospels that the disciples were often a little bit slow at catching on on some things, as I think we would be, because everything that Jesus was preaching was completely radical and countercultural to everything they knew. And at this stage, these disciples, like all Jews, were still expecting the Messiah to take his place on the throne, to overthrow the Roman Empire, to take his place on the throne uh, as as leader of the people and and to just basically take his position as king. And that's what they were expecting him to do. So what they're actually asking here is for something very political. They want to be in that center court. When Jesus takes his place as leader of the Roman Empire, they want to be his right-hand and left-hand men. They want to be his vice presidents, as it were, uh, in, in modern language. They want to take that position on his left and his right and have that political authority because they want to stand with him and stand for everything that he stands for and support him in everything that he's preaching. And they want to be there uh, as part of that. But Jesus obviously knows, and we know in hindsight, Jesus is talking about a very different kingdom and a very different glory and a very different authority. And he uses the misunderstanding of James and John to very beautifully, to very gently yet very powerfully teach them about something significant about leadership in the kingdom. Something that every single person in this room needs as followers of Jesus and as those seeking to live in community. Humility and servanthood. Jesus makes it very clear that the kind of leaders that he's raising up in them as disciples and in us as his church 
are countercultural to the kind of leaders that the world is raising up. He even says that, don't be like the Gentile leaders and rulers who, who rule over you and abuse their authority and, and say, do it this way and do it that way. Actually, I want you to raise up as a very different kind of leader for whom humility is going to be central to what you do and who you are and how you act and how you lead and how you relate to one another. He also talks about the central role of suffering within that. Because his call to them is, are you going to receive the cup that I receive and and the baptism that I receive, knowing full well that suffering is going to be a natural part of their life. Jesus himself knows that he is going to suffer and he knows that they too are going to suffer because of their faith in him, because of their trust in him. What he's saying to James and John is that what you're really asking by standing at my right and my left is that you're going to suffer with me and you're going to suffer because of me. And James and John's eyes and the eyes of the disciples as they get brought into the conversation uh, as well, their eyes are opened to just how upside down the kingdom of God is compared to the world. And as we said many, many times before, there is nothing upside down about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the right way up. It's the world that's got it upside down. And Jesus is reminding the disciples that when it comes to leadership within the kingdom of God, it's marked by humility, born from suffering, and about servitude. And the rest of the disciples, I think we can probably relate to as well, really unhappy with James and John. In fact, the word that we have in the NLV translation and the ESV is indignant. They were indignant at James and John. They were furious that James and John had even thought to ask that. Now, they might have been indignant because they wished they'd asked. They might have been indignant because they just thought they were rude for even thinking about it, that they even considered asking Jesus this. How dare they? And Jesus even takes that indignation to teach all of them about humility and about service. And that for any community... There can be no room for pride or judgment or partiality or self-righteousness or selfish ambition. There's just no room for it in that core of people. That as those who represent the kingdom of God, they are things that we need to walk away from in our lives. And we have, thankfully, the antidote to them or the alternative to them in the fruits of the Spirit. And we recognize that leadership among God's people is characterized not by ruling over others, but by serving them. And even, Jesus goes on to say, being a slave to all. Not just the people we agree with, but to all. And it's true of all of our relationships because it was true of Jesus who came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So let's revisit those sentences again. Those thoughts that we may have had of others or those things that others may have said over us. 
And let's think about how a community of people who are walking in humility and service of others would reword those phrases a little bit differently. Actually, massively differently. (laughs) So the phrase that says, I'm better than them at this, becomes in a community of humility, what is it that they can do that I can't? And how can I celebrate that? The sentence that says they are wrong about that becomes, why am I so sure that I'm right? And can I see it from their point of view? That comes from listening to our stories. The phrase that says, if only they could see the error of their ways, becomes, search me, O God, and know me, and see if there be any wicked way within me. The phrase that says they have no idea how wrong they are becomes let me hear their story and know how they came to believe what they believe. The phrase that says I doubt they even have a faith at all becomes well their understanding of faith may be different to mine but who am I to judge that? This one is the one that Challenged me the most, I think, this week. The phrase that says they won't be able to stand when hard times come in a community of humility becomes we stand together. I stand by his side. And we face suffering together with Christ as our head the phrase that said if she was a Christian she wouldn't do that becomes to be honest I've struggled with this in my life as well I'm not perfect I have not got it all together and the phrase that says that they don't pray enough or read the Bible enough becomes who gets to decide what enough is anyway how do we measure enough And then it becomes, maybe I can pray with them or pray for them. You see, this is what every single one of us is called to in this mad, crazy, wild thing called community. We are each leaders in this place, leaders of one another. And leadership is marked by service, humble, lowly, putting others first, service. We've said many times before here at St. Mary's that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but is thinking of yourself less. And thinking of God and others more. So if we're ever finding ourselves thinking that we're better than anybody else here, which I'm sure we all will at times have that kind of niggling thought, The temptation to think that way, to think that our faith may be stronger or that we've got something right and they've got something wrong, then let us remember that in the eyes of our king, the last shall be first, the least shall be greatest. And greatness is found in humility, in serving others. In acknowledging our shared need of Jesus, 
and being a servant and slave to all. Not just the people we agree with or that agree with us, but to all. And the thing I love about this relational dynamic is we see something here that is a a key theme throughout all of Scripture with Jesus' relationship with us, with his church, and, and God's relationship with his people through the Old Testament, is that there are times in our lives when things are good, and the people around us may be struggling. And there are times that maybe our faith is showing to be stronger than perhaps others. There may be times that we may be in a better place of reading our Bible or praying in faith or whatever it may be, and others around us may be struggling. But we have to remember that there are so many times in Scripture that when you see somebody who is in a season of blessing, it is more often than not in order that they may bless others. You certainly see that in Abraham. You certainly see that in the lives of the disciples in many ways. And what I find remarkable about this passage is that Jesus turns, what can I do for you, into what can you do for others? And so there is that dual thing of actually, yes, we do care for ourselves. We do listen to what we need. And we do approach Jesus with those questions of what can you do for me, Jesus? But at the same time, we have to be prepared that when Jesus grants us that blessing, that request, whatever it may be, he may want to turn that into what can you do for others? That's Humility. That's the kind of community I want to be a part of. But you can't make community like that. You can't force it. You can't make it with programs and small groups and different things that we put on in order to build that kind of community because that just wouldn't be genuine. It streams from and it comes from our relationship with Jesus. The head of the church, our bridegroom, the one who created this mad, crazy idea of community in the first place, the God who actually is himself community and in whose image we are made. And so if we want genuine community, it starts with humility. And it's fueled by his spirit.